Hello, hello, hello everyone, and welcome to the 19th episode of Season 2 of the Wormburner Podcast. I am your host, Justin, and for this week, we have a really, really special treat for you, because this week, we are going to be going over the Turkish Super League this week, and then rounding out with a very, very hot-button topic that has at least sparked up on my radar when it came to Twitter, and I felt like it was a discussion worth having here with all of you, and I am just so excited for this week's episode. If you have not already, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner Podcast, and if you have not checked out our Twitter, it is at WormburnerPDCST. Again, that is WormburnerPDCST. Let's go ahead and get into this week's episode with the breakdown of the Turkish Super League. Alright, as you probably can tell, we are doing this week a little bit differently because I've heard from all of you, my listeners, or some of you, my listeners, that have voiced your opinions on the episodes that I do, and I really want to be able to perform and make content that you guys will actually enjoy, and some of you, and I wanted to highlight at least one of my listeners that had pointed this out and said that when I do make my content and the episodes come out, it seems like the content that would genuinely hook people that are brand new to the sport is in the later parts of the episode and when I talk about stuff going on around the world they aren't really following that and so I want to be able to as I've stated before I want to make content that you guys are able to get a hold of and even for the soccer fans that have been into the sport for as long as I have or even longer I want to make content for you so that is the change that we are going to be doing this week let me know what you think of this change on both our Facebook or our Twitter if you have either of those we already went over the tags uh, if you didn't hear already and so With that, the breakdown of the Turkish Super League is now. So, the Turkish Super League was first established on February the 21st of 1959. So, 63 years ago, the Turkish Super League was created and it has had a very dominant set of winners and champions over this span of time. So, the champions of of the Turkish Super League are as follows in first place with the most titles 22 exactly is Galatasaray again with 22 titles under their belt the first one in 1961-62 and the latest one being in the 2018-19 season in second place we have Fernabache with 19 titles under their belt. The first one coming in 1959, and the latest one coming in the 2013-14 season. In third place, we have Besiktas, with 16 titles under their belt. The first one coming in 1956-57, and the latest one coming in the 2020-21 season. In fourth place, 
we have Trunzenspor with seven titles under their belt. The first one coming in 1975-76 and the latest one in 2021-22. This was this latest rendition of the Turkish Super League was the one that they've won and I actually highlighted that on my Twitter cuz it was a phenomenal feat. They did it very convincingly and throughout the entire season they were a very dominant side. I look forward to seeing if they can keep control of that title going into next season obviously with the bigger more successful teams like Galatasaray, Besiktas and Fenerbahce coming after them most likely in this next season. Now going to the fifth place and sixth place team we do have a joint share of one title each between Istanbul Bashikshir, I hope I said that right, but Istanbul Bashikshir with one title under their belt, that title coming in the 2019-20 season. And then in our sixth and joint fifth placed team with one title under their belt coming in 2009-10 is Bursaspor. And that club again won their league title in 2009-10. That is going to wrap up the champions of the Turkish Super League and the formatting of this league is very similar to other European leagues. We've got 19 teams in this specific league. When it comes to the teams that have never been relegated in the Turkish Super League, it has to go down to the most successful teams in the Turkish Super League. That is, of course, Arbeşiktaş, Fenerbahçe, and Galatasaray. More on them a little later, but that is going to go ahead and wrap up the league breakdown. But let's go ahead and go to the Turkish Cup, which... For, honestly, lack of not wanting to butch the name, (laughs) I am going to be hereby saying it as the Turkish Cup. That was originally founded in 1962, so it was actually created three years after the first Turkish Super League season was founded. And, of course, the organizing body is the Turkish Football Federation. And it has also seen many winners of this competition with the most successful team in this competition. And in first place, we have Galatasaray with 18 titles under their belt. The first one in 1963 and the latest one in 2019. In second place, we have Besiktas with 10 titles under their belt. The first one in 1975 and the latest one in 2021. In third place, we have Trenzanspor with nine Turkish Cups under their belt, the first one in 1977, and the latest one in 2020. In fourth place, we have Fenerbahce with six titles under their belt, the first one in 1968, and the latest one in 2013. As for fifth place, there are five teams currently with two titles under their belt, but... Because of the pronunciation and not wanting to really butch any of these names, I am actually going to be 
doing the one with the latest title under their belt. So that is going to be Cosella Spore with two titles under their belt. The first one in 1997 and the latest one coming in 2002. Overall with these competitions in Turkey, we see a very familiar trend if you were paying attention to the titles themselves. And shifting over to the rivalry or the rivalries in general in Turkey, there is three massive derbies in Turkey and they're actually all centered around the three most successful clubs in Turkey. And they are going to be, as I've stated before, Fernabache, Galatasaray, and Besiktas. They all have a derby between themselves and the stats in themselves show how successful they are. Galatasaray themselves have 40 titles, 40 Turkish titles under their belt with both the combined Turkish Super League and the Turkish Cup. Fenerbahce have 25 titles combined between the Turkish Super League and the Turkish Cup. And Besiktas has 26 titles under their belt, both with the Turkish Super League and the Turkish Cup under their belt. This latest season, however, has really shown, at least to the world, that it may be a different time for the big three in the Turkish Super League. And for one standout reason, there was one lone star in the ending season for one specific team, and that was Galatasaray. Galatasaray this season finished 13th in the Turkish Super League. And to be fair, some teams have that kind of off season, and I know that when it comes to bigger teams in the smaller leagues in Europe. These hiccups can happen, but the reason why this hiccup is highlighted, or I want to highlight more than any other hiccup in Galatasaray's history, is because this is officially the lowest position Galatasaray has ever finished in their entire history as a club which is ginormous going into momentum, obviously going into the very next season and onward for the club. I'm not entirely sure what in the world happened to Galatasaray this year. I know that I had seen a game between Fenerbahce and Besiktas, which, of course, that's a great game. Any of these rivalry games, I would highly advise any of you to see because the atmosphere is just unbelievable. You can hear the crowd through the screen whenever you're watching them, and it's just a unbelievable experience to watch that kind of a game. But going back to Galatasaray, I'm not entirely sure what has happened to Galatasaray within this past season because in the in the 2020-21 season, they finished in second. 
and for this 2021-22 season, they finished in 13th. So something has gone very horribly wrong for them, and I I do look for the for them to bounce back. Whether how high they bounce back is a completely different story, because of course with this latest win by Trendsenspor, which is not with this big three in Turkey, it could shake things up, and Trendsenspor could go on a rather large spree here I mean they've got the potential for it and and seeing the domination that they had I think if I go over to the league table for last year they won pretty convincingly yeah they won by eight points over Fernabache in second place which for those of you that are new to the league tables that is a a total of two games they won ahead of Fernabache. So the last two games didn't even really matter because they had already clinched the title when it came to the league. And to have that kind of a gap between one of the big three in a league like the Turkish Super League is just a a very successful season for a smaller side. Of course, Trendsenspor is not a small side in comparison to some of the other teams and even leagues in all of Europe, but to knock off the all three of the big three from that top spot is it it definitely is worth recognition and the reason why I even brought it up in the first place. But going back to the rivalries for the big three, Besiktas, Fenerbahce, and Galatasaray, it has had a lot of controversy over the past couple of years, and I don't know if this law is still currently in use. I, I look forward to hearing from some of the fans from the Turkish Super League. I don't know if this rule is under place, and what this rule states is that no away fan of any of these three teams can go to away games in other stadiums. And that was unfortunately due to some of the violence that was brought from these games and the Turkish FA wanting to really crack down on these instances happening. And overall, it's just a a negative thing to have in soccer in general. And I applaud the Turkish league trying to reduce these kinds of instances. Uh, While I also combat that with of course, you want to be able to go see your team. It's, it is kind of a hard and sticky situation to put yourself into, and uh, I'm just very glad that the league in itself is continuing on and and having these games in general because having rivalry games, it is a big, it it can make or break a season, and and some fans have very clearly stated that if they ever came came to a game or if they could choose the difference between a win over their rival or a league title, they would very easily take the rivalry win over a league title. And it can really give some bragging rights to teams that may not have that many that year. They may not be having a bad season, but they can boast a win over a rival and that can make or break a season. And that is going to go ahead and wrap up the league breakdown for this week. Let's go ahead and get into the Wormburner News section, which is our new name for the Around the World section. 
Alright, so for this week we have our Around the World News, which is of course being renamed, rebranded to Wormburner News section. I'm so excited and thank you so much to the voters that voted for this on our Twitter. If you don't know that already, that is at WormburnerPDCST. Again, that is WormburnerPDCST in case you ever want to be a part of our t- our polls are just overall interactions on Twitter. It's just absolutely amazing. And I thank those people for voting. And we are going to be having our Wormburner News section now. So when it comes to the first talking point that I really wanted to talk about, there's one that has really caught my eye today. And that was that Timo Werner is reportedly coming out of Chelsea. And the number one rumor target that has him on their list is Juventus, which I can definitely understand and one that I wouldn't shy away from because along with those reports, Max Allegri has apparently told the Juventus board that he wants to get both Timo Werner and Alvaro Morata this summer to really wrap up that striking partnership at the top of Juventus's attack. And honestly, I really like that kind of setup for a Juventus side that hasn't been as dominant this previous season. And seeing the midfield talent and the, well, I know that the defense has lost a lot with, of course, Chiellini leaving. And then obviously you had the sale of Matthias Delict to Bayern Munich. I think that overall this is a really good signing for them. Again, the reason why I'm basing this out of all of this is because Timo Werner actually has a very solid reputation for being a striking partner with someone else. And that statistic that those claims I'm backing up through the actual statistics through his history at Red Bull Leipzig. And I know that... With those stats and the way that he's performed at Chelsea, honestly, I feel like just the Chelsea overall structure is kind of flawed, to be honest. And and this is this is just me. I don't like the way that they're running their striking partnerships. And honestly, it kind of stems back to the way that they handled the Lukaku scenario. I definitely 100% believe that they should have never brought him back in the first place. I just am one of those people that I saw that going wrong before it even happened. And to know that he's going back to Juventus, or sorry, that that Lukaku's going back to Inter and they're losing money on that is just a really bad, really, really bad thing for them. And to have another striker on the way out like Timo Werner and just having that talent essentially wasted, I just it's a horrible situation for Chelsea. And having their talents picked up by other clubs, it's just, a, like I said, it's a bad scenario. But I think this is definitely a good kind of win for Timo Werner because it'll get him back in the driving seat of his career that, at least in my honest opinion, he's kind of lost track of since he joined Chelsea. And being a strike partner with Alvaro Morata, I think that can definitely bring some good 
results and just good statistics overall to a Juventus side that's looking to bounce back and become a part of that top echelons in Italy again, hopefully winning another title maybe next season. But speaking of Juventus, they had some breaking news today. They have officially released Aaron Ramsey. They have officially parted ways. They did not renew his contract and they had a mutual termination agreed upon and he is now a free agent. This was honestly a shock to me. I, I but within the same breath uh, seeing that he had his loan spell at Rangers, you know, it, I wasn't looking for Ramsey to really do that much at Rangers. I know that that's kind of really mean to say about Rangers, but I just didn't see him doing that much. I mean, of course, you have the Scottish League, the Scottish Cup, and they did really, really well in the Europa League. I, they definitely performed well, and that was helped upon with Aaron Ramsey. It was just a, a great, great season for them, honestly. And honestly, the rumor that I want to point out there, I, with this being fresh brand news, I don't want to really quote anybody on rumors right now because honestly I really don't see any it's it's that fresh and on I want to put my shout out out there I think it would be a very good way for Aaron Ramsey to get a hold of his career again to really get back in that driver's seat and to be a part of a team that is growing at least within the realm of the Barclays Premier League uh, and to hint at that they are in desperate need of a attacking playmaker in general in that central midfield role because that hole was left by Christian Eriksen and of course my suggestion for Aaron Ramsey is Brentford and I can definitely see this happening in the near future maybe even in the next couple days to get that signing in. I think that Brentford can really benefit from a signing like Ramsey and Ramsey can benefit from them because he wants to get that career back on back on its way and and being successful again and and looking past this Juventus hiccup in his career. But going on to possibly controversial because I know that with the Brentford suggestion it could be controversial Aaron Ramsey may not want to go to Brentford but going on the turn of controversial there was one post that I had seen today that I really wanted to take this section and really be a a massive discussion possibly for just the fans of this podcast and overall in general, there was an individual that had made a claim that Messi, Lionel Messi, the one of the greatest players to ever grace the soccer pitch, was overrated. And I genuinely couldn't believe it at first. But once I actually listened to this guy's claim, I'm not going to say it's true. 
because that would imply that he's not one of the greatest of all time, when in reality, I really think that he is. But looking at some of the stats when it comes to Lionel Messi, I can begin to understand why he thinks this specific way. And and let me explain this. So when it comes to Messi being overrated, the claim that this gentleman had made is that essentially without Barcelona, Messi is nothing. And there has been a lot of claims in recent years, especially with the discussion between Messi and and Ronaldo being the two greatest players in the world, that because Messi hadn't been outside of Barcelona, he can't really say that he's the best player in the world. And with Ronaldo going everywhere, every which way, he can have that claim more. I'm not here to make that kind of a discussion today because, honestly, I'll be here all day if that's the case. But when it comes to Messi, he hasn't really done that much at PSG. And making them more of a threat in Europe, honestly, Messi hadn't done that at all. And the ability for... Messi to hit the ground running at PSG, make them a dominant side, not only in the French League, but in in Europe, that was a massive, massive thing for Messi to do, and he just didn't do it, and it's, I ended up looking at the statistics, because again, I want to be able to actually look at these claims, see why these people believe what they do. And the stats truly horrified me when I looked at the stats between Messi's last season at Barcelona and Messi's first season here at PSG, or at PSG, sorry. And while he has scored more assists in the in PSG, the goals have just dropped. And if I'm not mistaken, based off the latest statistics, Messi has a grand total of six goals to his name in the French League and five Champions League goals to his name. It's just 11 goals in a season from a player like Messi. And then you have, of course, 15 league assists with zero assists in the Champions League. He, of course, had more assists than the last season at Barcelona. It's just that his lack of influence in a match has drastically dropped. And there was another statistic that I had looked at that again, just horrified me to my core. And the one that really shows the influence of a player is goal contributions in a specific match or the amount of goal contributions per 90 minutes. And that statistic has seen a drop that I did not think was going to happen as soon as it has in Lionel Messi's career. Of course, he's getting older. No player can really play at the upper echelons as 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 long as any player wants to play. He's 35 years old. I mean, there's going to be a drop-off. I just 
didn't think it was going to be this large of a drop-off. So in expected goal contributions per 90, Messi had 50 goal contributions per 90 in his last season with Barcelona. In his very first season with PSG, that number dropped to 25 goal contributions per 90. And what, like, a player of his caliber having his goal contribution in a year, goal contributions per 90 in a year, is, I can't believe it, honestly. It's just a unbelievable statistic. And I ended up looking at the previous years with goal contributions per 90 in Lionel Messi's, air, in Lionel Messi's career. And the last time he had below specifically 25, uh, 29 goal contributions in his entire career was in 2007-2008, which was in his very beginning stages at Barcelona, really becoming that player that everyone started to notice and really pay attention to being one of the best players or potential best players in the entire world. He's had less goal contributions per 90 than that year, and I'm just absolutely floored. While I completely agree he's the best player of all time, there's at least some claim to this actually being a thing that when it comes to Barcelona, and as this gentleman had has explained, you take Messi out of Barcelona, he goes from a phenomenal player to just an above average player. And I can't believe that I'm saying this, but some of the statistics and stats prove that this could be possible. I very much look forward to the next season Messi has at PSG. I think that he'll really turn it up in this last year with PSG, with the rumors that I I know are circulating. I think people are, are claiming that the PSG board are not looking to re-sign his contract at the end of the year, and he's looking to go to the U.S., come here to the United States at the end of his year at, or end of his two-year contract with PSG. Honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we really could be looking at the end of Messi's career, and I just didn't think it was going to be that drastic of a drop. And more power to this guy saying something like that. While many people disagree, even myself, I, I disagree. I I want to bring out the points that people make and, and show the arguments and make people have that kind of discussion themselves, see if they agree or disagree with that point. Uh, Messi's won almost every single title known to man when it comes to just being a soccer player and you really can't look past him being one of the greatest of all time. He's been able to be a, a partnership with uh, amazing players, legendary players, Samuel Eto, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. You also have Iniesta, Xavi, you have Pique, you have Ter Stegen. I mean, there's so many great names that honestly you can put in front of Messi, around Messi, and that was just that kind of player that he was able to play with and just the career he's had is just absolutely unbelievable and one that no one is ever going to forget in the near future it 
it was truly remarkable to be able to watch a player like him. And I say this like his career is over. I really hope that he turns it around at PSG. And I really still think he's got the capability of turning PSG around single-handedly. Of course, you have Neymar and Mbappe as well at a team like that. And if he's able to contribute to those specific players, he can really, really tear up the Champions League and possibly even win PSG their first Champions League title. I, I know it's a far stretch, especially with the way that PSG's record in the Champions League has showed, but overall, just a unbelievable chat and just an unbelievable thing to bring witness to, possibly, and that was the reason why it was a part of our Wormburner News section this week. That is going to wrap up this week's episode. I hope you guys had an amazing week, and I hope you guys have an amazing week ahead, having fun playing soccer and just overall enjoying life in general. I if you have not already, go ahead and check out our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Wormburner Podcast. And if you have not checked out our Twitter for any of our polls and our interactions with other posts on Twitter, highly advise that you do it. It is at WormburnerPDCST. Again, that is WormburnerPDCST is our Twitter handle. I hope you guys have an amazing week. Thank you, thank you, thank you a million times. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode. Stay safe, have fun, love soccer, and I'll talk to you guys next week. Ciao, everyone.